Today is um, our State of the Church weekend. Of course, it would have been last week, but uh, some of us got snowed in, and some of us uh, don't have four-wheel drive anymore because we have kids, and they take those kind of things from you. So, but good to be with everyone today. Um, You're going to hear from, you know, different staff, people about what's going on. This is what we do. We've done this since since year one, uh, where we just kind of talk through the year and talk through what we believe God is leading us to and uh, the kind of, you know, the word that God has laid on us for uh, the year. And so if you're a first-time guest, you get to hear probably more than you anticipated hearing. Uh, but uh, we do this thing called the State of the Church, where we promise not to talk about politics or taxes, which we won't do. Uh, but we do want to talk about what we see God doing and where he is leading us. Um, this past, um, the week before Thanksgiving, I was blessed uh, by some friends who gave me their cabin up on Lake Almanor just to spend some time by myself praying and uh, just kind of seeking the Lord about what was going on for this year. And I got to spend some some first couple days with my good friend John Stinkholt, who had uh, recently, you know, at that point lost uh, his wife Debbie uh, to cancer, and we got to spend some some time together. And then he left, and I just had uh, had the place to myself for a while. And uh, I was uh, sitting watching um, Lake Almanor and hit, looking towards Lassen, and then just see this storm that uh, you know I knew that was coming from the weather, and just this massive storm started rolling in. The wind was just violent. And I love a good storm. Being from the South, I love a good thunderstorm. I love lightning. I know that makes me strange. I actually love hurricanes. I don't love tornadoes. But um, I just, there's something so amazing about the power of nature. And so I'm watching this, and I've been reading, I've been journaling, and and just praying about what what God was doing. And um, I I just had this thought, this, this question that, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the lake and it's like a blank TV screen. You know, you, you ever, you know, your TV just goes out and it's just a blank screen. You're like, oh, well, this is boring. And so I'm looking at the lake and I'm like, you know, God, what, what do you want to show me? What, what do you want me to know right now? What, what is it you're trying to, to give me? And uh, I had this crazy thought because, you know, I'm the guy that will come up with a million ideas. I mean, I, I, I think in odd directions and, you know, like when you cook spaghetti, you throw a noodle against the wall and you see if it sticks, you know, if it's ready. And, and that's just kind of the way I think. I love in staff meeting, they, they all look at me and they're like terrified of what I'm going to come up with next. Uh, but I love just to think, you know, out of the box. Matter of fact, I have a little little figurine on my desk, and it's a, it's a box with a guy sitting on a seat with his hand on his, you know, head thinking, and it says, you know, think out of the box. And it's just a reminder to always keep thinking different than other people. And so I'm, I'm thinking, and I had this, this thought just that I think God pressed on me, was that when was the last time you dreamed? Not like, you know, I'm dreaming of ice cream or I'm, you know, dreaming of something like that. But when was the last time you really looked bigger than yourself and you really sought me? And, and you know, that was kind of a, a startling, you know, thought because I, I realized that, you know what, I, I hadn't been dreaming big dreams. You know, sometimes we get in maintenance mode and we just want to hold things kind of where they are and just kind of keep them going and, you know, do this deal. And we don't, we don't keep dreaming. And so that, that was kind of a, you know, a, a hard 
a hard place for me. You know, when you're a kid, and you know, you'll recognize this probably in some way, shape, or form, but you know, when you're a kid, you have these dreams that you, you know, if you're a little boy, you may go out in the yard and you dream of catching, you know, the winning touchdown pass in the last second uh, of the Super Bowl. And you, you'll see kids out by themselves in the yard or maybe with a friend, and they're, they're, they're acting something out. Their bodies are putting into motion what their minds are thinking. Um, could be a kid that thinks that they're going to hit a home run in the World Series and, you know, win the World Series. And, or it could be a little girl that, you know, like my daughter will look in the mirror and she talks about Cinderella. And, you know, you just these all these dreams and the way kids think and because they're uninhibited when they, you know, and if you sneak up on them and catch them doing that stuff, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of shocked and a little bit embarrassed. But, you know, a kid will will let their body display what their mind is thinking. You tracking with that? You, you, you remember that? Some of you may be too old to think about that. But, you know, you, you, some of you give, gave up on your dreams. Somebody squashed your dreams. Somebody told you that'll never happen, and you quit dreaming. Um, and there are all kinds of things that happen to dreams. Um, but we, we dream of doing something amazing. We dream of being spectacular. We dream of being a hero. And so I just kind of want to start the, the state of the church where you hear from, uh, from our team of what's the dream that you're dreaming? What's the dream that you're dreaming? What, what, are, you, what are you seeing? What, what do you feel like God's leading you towards? What do you, what do you feel like that, that we would say is somewhat impossible, but, but only if God, but only if God. So I just want to kind of let that thought just kind of hang with you uh, and then I'm going to do the scary thing and bring Larry Espidal up and give him the microphone. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Are we good? Can you, can you hear? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, um, just uh, it's a state of the church, and we're going to talk about the youth ministry because um, uh, I have this amazing opportunity once again to be doing youth ministry. And it's, uh, I, I had to give you a little history. For me, youth ministry started, now check this out, 1972. That's when I started doing youth ministry. And um, so, I, and still to this day, and it's pretty amazing because this morning, if you could have seen it, we had junior hires at that, we meet back here in the fellowship hall at the nine o'clock service, and there was a ton of them. And we had toilet paper wars. And what's amazing is that we got it all cleaned up. It's incredible. So, but it's so much fun because, um, you know, we're in the process of looking for a guy right now. And uh, we're praying to the right guy. And believe me, I want the right guy. And, uh, and so our job, my wife and I, we kind of oversee youth ministry and, and, uh, and help, uh, help it run as smoothly as possible. So the junior hires me at 9 o'clock. Uh, Sunday morning and Monday night at the shed. And they're going to love tomorrow night because last Wednesday, the high school department used for the first time, I don't know if you've ever heard of a gaga pit. Raise your hand if you've heard of a gaga pit. One, two, all right, three. All right, there was three people in the first service. So I built a gaga pit last week and they played it the first time and it was it was so much fun. In fact, uh, it's a, it's a ring about... 20 feet around, 30 feet around, about this tall, and you get inside of it, and you're playing dodgeball with your hand. You're hitting a ball, and the ball jumps off the wall. You gotta, you, you can't get hit. And so the ball came at me. I jumped. Now, I gotta say, things on me 
don't work like they used to. So I jumped in the air to let a ball go underneath my feet. And when I came down, I wound up doing a somersault on the concrete. I'm going, dang, these things don't work anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, the high school department meets on Wednesday night. And um, so the state of the union and state of the church for youth ministry is doing well. I'm having a blast. And, um, and I am thankful that God has graced me with enough energy to continue doing it right now, which is really, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, and it's only by the grace of God. So just so you know, we're doing well, but pray for that guy because we want the right guy. All right. Thanks. Oh, hi, I'm Jennifer Kelly. Um, I'm up here to represent the women's community. Um, I belong to the big guy. Yeah, that big guy, but that one too. Uh, if you can't tell from my accent. So I'm going to ask you to do a little activity with me, which is um, something we like to do as part of our women's community. Take um, your fist and put it below your chin. Men, you can join us for this too. And pull up. So, you have all just removed the masks that you walked in here with, and now I would like for you to turn to the person on your right and say, it's, y'all, it's about to get real in here. Make sure you use that southern accent, huh? No, that's sort of the motto of our women's community. We want to keep it real. But um, as Craig was talking about dreams, I thought about um, us as women. Whose dreams get put on the bottom of the list first? Ours. While we are helping all those around us accomplish their dreams. So as a women's community, we want to challenge you and encourage you to step out in your dreams. The dreams that God has placed on your heart. To seek and find out those lies that are holding you back from um, moving forward in those dreams that God has laid on your heart. We want to grow and connect with God and each other. This year, we have been very blessed. Um, Our women's community started small, maybe with one study, and uh, God has just done amazing things, organically grown it. Um, There are Women that have stepped out um, in their dreams, stepped out of their boxes, have stepped up and said yes um, to what God's calling them to do. So we have lots of Bible studies going on right now. We have morning studies, evening studies, um, just some fellowship times. We have specific studies in all areas. And um, so we're just totally blessed that there is something for everyone on the schedule, for everyone's um, learning style, just uh, some amazing. We've been totally blessed. And we have those um, things over at our women's table. But we want right now to ask you to mark your calendars for May 17th through the 19th. That will be our third annual women's um, retreat that's coming up. And uh, we just have a great time getting away together and uh, watching God show up in a big, big way. 
So no excuses. We would like for each and every one of you um, to be involved and give us the blessing of um, getting to know you better. And after um, services today, Chris Espidal, which is part of our women's uh, committee team, will be over at the women's table to answer any um, questions. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So I'm Bob Matthews, and I am, excuse me, one of the leaders of men's ministry. Um, There's four of us all together, Jerry Green, Zach Pringle, and Daniel Redman. A little bit of history, a year or so ago, Craig had done a sermon on take the road less traveled, um, step out on faith. And then later that day, Larry Espidal asked me if I wanted to lead men's ministry. And I'm like, well, I guess I should step and lead. And <laughs> so um, we got a year under our belt. Um, what we have learned is if you involve guns, there's a bunch of guys that show up. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, we had done, um, like I said, a couple of uh, deals with um, shooting. Um, one of the th- awesome things that has happened is Prez came to me and said, hey, I'd like to start a motorcycle ministry. And I said, awesome, let's get it going. So um, he has taken that and ran with it and now meets once a month. Uh, Summertimes they do rides. And in the wintertime, they've been doing breakfasts. Um, once a month. So um, that's that's one of the cool things that's happened so far this year. We did um, put on the schedule this year, we've got three main events that are happening. Um, we have a men's retreat that will be May 2nd through the 4th at Zephyr Cove in Tahoe. There's a sign-up sheet if you're interested. Um, we got to get like a head count for beds and everything um, to get that going. Then on June 7th through the 9th, we're going to do a father-daughter camp. Um, Michelle's going to be part of that with the kids ministry to help do events and stuff. And then August 2nd through the 4th, we will do a father-son camp. Um, So those are the three big events planned for the year. We do want to do smaller events like pickleball, pickup basketball games, Poker night, there's all these things that are kind of been thrown out there. Um, so we're looking for guys that want to step up and lead a mountain bike group or a kayaking group or a hiking group and, um, and be able to do those during the year. Um, we do have moving events that we do, which are awesome for you that have participated in it. You can see how we bless that family by a bunch of strange guys show up to these houses and in four hours we load trailers and we move people and um they just yeah they're just blessed to see how quick that all happens we're doing one next saturday on the second and the we normally try to do them from eight to twelve or one o'clock where you guys still have the afternoon and the whole goal in that is for you guys to meet somebody new 
that you walk away with a new friend, somebody that you've seen their face at church, but now you got to work with them for four hours and you have a new friend. Um, so again, there's that sign up is out there for the move. There's a sign up out there for the men's ministry. And there's a questionnaire that anybody that hasn't filled out, get your email on there. And then you, when I send out the emails, you'll be part of that to know what's coming up in the, in the men's ministry. So, um, thank you. Good morning, Gold Country Church. I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you guys today, but I got to tell you, this is a much more comfortable way for me to speak to you all than getting up on that stage, which is not my thing. But to be honest, I'm really missing you. I didn't get to see you last Sunday because of our snow day, um, which was so cool, so much fun. And now I don't get to see you today. So I'm really looking forward to catching up with you guys next week. Um, But I'm definitely there with you right now in spirit. And I'd like to take just a minute of your time to tell you what God has laid on my heart. um, And I believe is going to be our focus for this year of 2019 in our children's ministry. So just to recap briefly, last year, the Lord gave me the word identity. And as many of you know, last year was my very first year stepping into ministry, and it was quite a ride. Um, And I believe that word was as much a journey for me as it was for our children's ministry. And um, Coming to our new building and, and so many things, it just, it turned out, of course, in true God fashion to be the perfect place to start. So um, last year, we really focused on who we are in Christ and whose we are. And I believe this year, God is just wanting to go a little bit deeper with that. But he's given me the word family. And I believe it's on God's heart to do a mighty work within um, the families within the family. So within our Gold Country Church family are lots of little families. And I believe God is is saying that now is a time he would like to work on um, or at least give us tools for equipping and encouraging and restoring our families. And so I believe it's it's um, going to be a big focus for us to create events and things and activities to really connect families, um, but to also build them up and, and equip these little children, these, these amazing kiddos to be, um, to grow up, to be godly men and women for Christ. And so, um, we've got some, some things planned for, for mothers and sons and fathers and daughters. And I think Bob Matthews is going to be talking on that just a little bit here briefly. And, um, I just know that, that God is really wanting us to pull together, as a family, as a church family, a church body. And um, I believe too that that part of this word is is an encouragement to those that are volunteering already in the children's ministry and is a plea to the hearts of those that have yet to get involved because I know that that God has more envisioned for our kids and their time here on a Sunday than just to be entertained so that all the moms and dads and adults can have church. Um, what our volunteers currently do is stand in the gap for these kids that maybe they don't have grandparents that live close by and they can see often, or 
maybe they don't have a mom or dad that's able to be present. And the way our volunteers stand in that gap is such a beautiful thing to watch. And seeing the way our kids' faces light up when they come on a Sunday and they see their favorite volunteer, their favorite teacher, and it's really a beautiful thing. And and so um, my focus each week and as I look forward to planning events and activities is is to work on um, helping everybody get connected a little bit better this year, including myself, which is not always the easiest thing to do. It takes vulnerability and courage. And, and so I want to encourage you to step out of your box a little bit more this year and join us for some of our events. Really pray about um, joining us in the children's ministry and standing in the gap for these kids because they're incredible and I can't wait for you guys to meet them and spend time with them. You're going to be just as blessed um, as you will bless them. So uh, if, if any of this has struck a chord in your heart, um, please take a moment to connect with me via email, text, phone call. I'll answer it all. Um, probably not right away, but within 24 hours for sure. So um, just reach out and, and really, um, I'd like to encourage you guys just to search your hearts to see if there's any dreams God is planning in your heart for our our Gold Country kids and our Gold Country families. So um, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day, and I will be praying for you and your families this year, every Sunday, every week. And um, know that I love you, and I'll see you next week. Hey, thanks, Michelle. <clears throat> well, good morning again. My name is Damien. In case you missed the first song, you weren't here right when we started. You know, that's when I tell people, hi, my name's Damien. But it's not quite as full always right then for some reason. I don't understand, but it's okay. Um, you know, for me to share about the worship ministry <clears throat> It's a, it's a little bit different than my counterparts here is because I, I'm not talking about what happens behind those doors or on a different night or over there. I'm talking about what we all do together. So, you know, you, you kind of know a little bit more about the worship ministry, right? Because you all are participants in it. Um, I thought of it maybe as a potluck because I know how much Pastor Craig loves potlucks here. But, you know, we all bring something to our time together. Um, and that goes with, you know, how I define worship is, is it's our response. It's our response to all that God has done, all that he's doing and all that God is going to do. And so we all bring something and respond uh, to our time and worship. So and there's a little bit more to that, obviously, but I feel like our um, job as a, as a worship team or um, ministry, if you will, is to is to help set the table. So the table is ready when we all uh, gather. So, you know, we've got forks and knives and spoons on the table, or we have technicians and instrumentalists and vocalists here and songs. And, and then we, we get to uh, experience that time together. And that's that's the the bulk, the most of of what what we do. But there's there's other things brewing as well that I can share. Um, you know, our, our goal is to grow people up 
in the ministry and raise new leaders. And so we're working on that and adding more people uh, to the team uh, as well. And we have other people that would like to put on some workshops uh, in within worship ministry. We did a youth one last summer and we were going to do some adult ones. And uh, maybe, who knows, maybe we'll do a whole worship conference here. We've talked about that a little bit too. So those are all you know, some things that are, that are brewing. Um, personally, um, I've, uh, adjusted my hours, if you will, uh, this, this last fall and going part-time here at the church, I was, um, given an opportunity to go, um, to work for a, a larger tech company up in grass Valley. And so I've always been by vocational and ministry, uh, working in the church, working outside of the church. And so that's just a, it's a new shift for me, um, in doing that, but it felt like that's what, uh, needed to happen at this time. But I am still here uh, getting to help set the table. Uh, something that I love doing is uh, participating and being part of the worship here at Gold Country Church. So I look forward to keep doing it some more. I think it's important for you, you know, there are different people speak during the year, but I think it's important for you to hear from, you know, the pastoral staff, you know, on a regular basis of what's going on, what's being done in dreams. So, you know, we never want to, to not do that. Um, <clears throat> you know, talk to you about dreams. What, what dreams are you dreaming? What, what, what are the things that God is stirring within you? Um, you know, there is uh, this, thought of more and not more stuff not more whatever not more busyness not more of that but but more of the presence of god more of the glory of god more of the peace of god more of the joy of of god um you know i'm sure that most of you probably had one of these moments uh probably in in some different venues but you know let's just say you're heading east on the freeway and as the sun comes up you know, you've been traveling and the, the sun peaks maybe above the Sierras and it just lights up everything and you are overwhelmed with this sense of the majesty of creation. Anybody, anybody ever, you, you have that, that moment? Uh, probably in some ways, if you had little children when they were a baby and they were in the crib and you would sneak in, try not to wake them, and you would see that sleeping baby in the crib and you were just overwhelmed with watching that baby because of how much you love that child. You, you, you tracking that? I mean, or maybe it's the person that you love most in life. And you, you know, you're running around busy all day. You may even be working at the house together and you're missing each other and missing each other, missing each other, passing each other, bumping into each other, kind of aggravated with each other. And then, then you catch each other's eyes and you have that, you know what I'm talking about? You, you have that, that thing that happens deep inside of you where you forget how mad you are with them and you just kind of look at them and you're just kind of overwhelmed with, with presence. And, you know, that, that's kind of an odd thing to think about. Um, you, you know, it happened, it happens, uh, you know, quite a bit, but um, a little over eight years ago, 2010, um, I was sitting in my office in Birmingham and I was staring out the window, and I thought, you know, God, is this is this what ministry is all about? You know, and I'm sitting there looking at this, you know, parking, you know, lot that'll hold over a thousand cars, 
you know, and I'm looking at this brick building and all this stuff, and uh, I just keep saying, God, is, isn't there more? I mean, is this really what, what this is? And I just had this, like, angst in me. You, you, you've probably had that at some point in your life. You're looking at your job. You're looking at what's going on. You're just like, man, there's got to be something something better, something more, something different. It's not like, you know, you want to accumulate, but it's like this, uh, there's something that's missing. You, you, you've had that moment. And I just, you know, I, I kept just asking God, didn't there, there's got to be more, there's got to be more. And then I just had this thought laid on my heart to go through from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And every time God did something or said something, I wrote it down. And I'm a, I'm a note taker. If you go in, you'll find stacks of, of legal pads all over my office. And so I just get out my legal pads, and I start every time God did something or said something, I started writing it down. I filled up a legal pad, and I filled up another one. I thought, and I think by the time I kind of it dawned on me that God had gotten my attention, I think I was like at four and a half legal pads of things that God had did or things that God had said. And, you know, obviously we know John, John's gospel, John tells us that we have the scriptures so that we will know and believe but he also makes a concession that there were many other things that happened, but you know, a libraries couldn't contain all the things that God has done. And so, you know, there's still a story being written on the power and the more of God in our lives and through our lives. And yet sometimes we get kind of frustrated with our lives because our life isn't going the way we think it ought to go, or things aren't happening the way we think they ought to happen. And yet all the while God is still at work. God is drawing us to a more that hasn't got to do with more stuff, but more has to do with the fullness of God, the fullness of God. Um, You know, there's an expectation that God's going to show up, that God's going to do the impossible, that he's going to guide us, that he's going to remind us that we're loved, that he's going to remind us that we're cared for, that he is enough. And when we disciple other people, we are reminded that, we're, we're giving away God's love to other people. We're patiently walking our own journey, not so patiently sometimes, but we're also patiently walking with other people because we, we do better when we're together. Um, now, sometimes in our life, though, we have this mindset of limit. Um, you would also maybe say scarcity. Um, you know, we, we, we don't always do a good job of seeing beyond our present circumstances. You know, when a barrier comes in our life, we become consumed with the barrier. We become consumed with the obstacle. We become consumed with the controversy. We become consumed with the conflict. We become consumed with whatever is stopping us from getting to where we want to get. And sometimes we, we lose the vision to look bigger, to look beyond, to, to see something that is more in terms of what God wants to do. Um, we, we are like that father in Mark 9 who brought his son to the disciples and said, hey, heal my boy. And, and they tried and they tried and they tried because they were doing, trying to do it on their own power and nothing was happening. And, and Jesus looked at him and said, look, with, with man, this is, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Sometimes it's hard to think, okay, God, well, what do you want to do in this? Because we keep thinking, well, what am I going to do? Is that not our first question, our first thought? What, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about this? And when we reach the end of ourselves, we either despair or we go, okay, God, I get it. I can't do this on my own, which, by the way, is an unsettling thought, is it not? When you realize, oh, my gosh, I can't change this. 
Um, so sometimes we fall into a mindset of scarcity or limit in terms of what God will or may do. And that's, that's hard. Um, you know, this, this kind of really played itself out um, back in August of 2013. Um, uh, August uh, 13, uh, I am heading into the office on a Tuesday morning. I'm on my motorcycle, and I have been following a car for about five miles, and they get in the left turn lane to turn at the light at Marguerite Mine, and I speed up to go by them, and they decide they're going to rev their engine and run over the top of me. And left me for dead in the middle of the road. When they, when they ran over me, I actually ended up in the other lane and the car next to me was, I literally was, you know, face to face with the bumper as he was about to run me over and praise God, he took a, a sharp veer to the right and didn't run me over. And, uh, I don't remember the first three days, um, of my time in neurotrauma at Sutter Roseville, um, but about the fourth day I began to come to, and, and they, you know, there were people that had come to see me and said, Hey man, I came to see you. I'm like, well, I don't remember. And they were like, they were offended. I'm like, okay, well, and you know, I don't know what they did to me while they came to see me, but you know, that's a different story. Um, but you know, there, there's kind of a, a deeper story there because, um, you know, just a couple of days before that motorcycle, God didn't cause the, the motorcycle, I said, but, but he allowed it because, um, you know, I don't know about y'all, but but when I get frustrated, I turn selfish. Anybody turn selfish? Turn selfish? Well, I decided I needed to tell my wife she needed to pay me more attention. I mean, not that she wasn't paying eight kids' attention, you know. I mean, not that she was busy at all, but that she needed to give me more attention. And uh, that led to a whole different conversation with Dale Turner with basically him putting his finger through my chest. Uh, but, but so two days later, I'm in this motorcycle wreck, you know, where I'm telling her she needs to do more. Well, when I finally get out of the hospital, I, I can't do anything for myself. I mean, literally nothing. You think of all the things that you do in life. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't take a drink. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't go to the bathroom myself. I could do nothing myself. And I think that's one of those times where God said, you want to turn selfish? Let me show you what life looks like on your own. And it's not a pretty sight. And I mean, you know, when you break everything on one side of your body and then the other side is so messed up from all the breaking on this side of the body and you can't move, you become acutely aware that life is, is not here, although we think it is. And God, you know, obviously didn't cause that, but he allowed it. But it's, it's those reminders where we we come to the end of ourself and there is a limit to our ability. There is a limit to what we can do. And what God is about is about us pursuing him and about pursuing his glory, about pursuing what he wants to do to see beyond. And that's hard for us because, you know, that's a scary thing because you know, what's, what, what's that mean for God to want more of me? Uh, no business person that I know wants to wake up and have an average, normal, mediocre day. Anybody in sales want to have an average mediocre day? No. You, you've got to be out pounding and trying to make it happen because, you know, your ability to survive is dependent upon the next sale, the next whatever. And yet <clears throat> we, we get into this thing where we, we become comfortable with pursuing ourselves, and we become our own God, become our own God. And, um, or, or 
we, we really, we call it faith, but it's more like superstition. It's more like superstition. Um, anybody superstitious? It took me three minutes to get people to finally admit that in the first service. And then hands started going. <clears throat> and then one wife hit her husband and goes, you're superstitious. Raise your hand. <clears throat> um, superstition is lived out in a lot of different ways. I, I, I told him first service, I have a friend that if his favorite sports team wins, he will repeat everything he did that day. Okay. Uh, he literally would not change his underwear as long as they were winning. He must've been a Dodgers fan cause they don't win very much, but that's a different story. <laughs> so, um, just joking, just joking. So, he and he, but he he if he sits in a certain place at church and he does a certain thing during church and they would win that day, next Sunday, sit in the same place. And if somebody happened to sit in that seat that he had sat in, he would tell them, uh, "I got to sit here today." And they're like, "There's like 300 seats here." Yeah, I'm with that one. And he would never tell them it was superstition. But you think about it, we. If, if things are going well in our life, we don't consciously go, hey, it's superstition, but we try to keep track of things we do with things we don't do. And we try to do them in the right order, in the right way, because maybe God will give us what we want. And maybe our team will win, or maybe life will go well. Maybe this girl will notice me. And so we've taken faith, and we've really slid faith off to the side. We've, we've, we've traded seeking the glory of God in our life to how can I manage to keep God on my side? which is superstition and comfort, by the way, which is a really awkward, dangerous way to live because what happens if you mess up? What happens if you don't do it all right? What happens if somebody spills something on your favorite shirt and they wash it? Or God forbid they tear your underwear off of you because you stink. <laughs> then what happens? But that's the way we live. And we, we pray the same prayers thinking, okay, maybe it was the prayer I prayed. You know, how did I pray that prayer? And we start going through this list in our mind where it's, it's more superstition than it is an absolute trust in the glory and the presence of God in our life. And by the way, you don't really share your superstitions because you know it makes you a little odd. You just kind of quietly, secretly do them, hoping that they all work out the way you want them to work out. Sports people are the worst at being superstitious. I've got two coaches that I coach with that probably are superstitious. And they're thinking, we're going to kill you if you break any of our little, little superstitions. But, you know, we're funny people and faith people because faith and superstition are two different things. Superstition is a magical incantation of activities that you do to appease God. Faith is where you trust the God of the universe who loves you and has already died for you and trust that he's going to work out what's best. You choose. You choose. Um, Romans 8.37. Knowing all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. Now think about that. A conqueror is somebody who wins. They, 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 they defeat the enemy. They, they are the grand poopah. And Scripture says that we are more than that. We're more than a conqueror. We don't just win. We like win. The, the end is settled. The future is in God's hands. And if we're in God's hands, we're in a good place. It can't be taken away from us. 
Luke 12, 23 says, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. What do we spend the majority of our time thinking about? Food and clothes and houses, by the way. But we, we give, I mean, how, much, how many sleepless nights have people spent worried about stuff, either how to get rid of the stuff or how to get more stuff? He says that our lives are more than that. They're more than that. When you think about what we've turned life into, you know, the, the old shirt in the 80s was, he who dies with the most toys wins. And then the shirt in the 90s was, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Which is the absolute reality of the whole thing. And Scripture tells us that we're more than all that. There's more to us. There's this eternal mechanism that was put into us at birth because we were created by an eternal God. John 15, 2, he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Words of Jesus. While every branch that does bear fruit, he what? Prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You mean to tell me that God, if, if I'm an apple tree and I'm producing apples, you mean God will, will cut back my branches where maybe there's a season where I won't bear apples? Absolutely. You know why? Because you will be more fruitful in the next season. When you go through the adversity because you will become stronger, you'll, you'll store up nutrients that you need and you will bear more fruit in your life. You will be more effective. You will emanate more of the glory of God rather than the glory of Craig or the glory of whoever. And that's kind of where we turn life is, is how can I make life about me? Because life ultimately is a story about me and you're all just character actors and you're messing this whole thing up for me. That's kind of the way we think. Drivers that drive too slow, they're in the way. People that get 15 items in the 10 item or less line, they're getting in the way. Everything is a frustration to us because what? Because we make life about here. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, immeasurably more. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a guy that will come up with the craziest ideas. I mean, I will throw things out and people will look at me like, what are you talking about? But I'm like, you know, if you're cooking spaghetti, you know, you find out that the noodles are ready by throwing one against the wall. And if it sticks, it's ready. And when was the last time that you just come up with some of the craziest thoughts of God, what God may want to do in your life that, that you're asking God to do? Now, I'm not talking about winning the lottery, okay? I, I'm, I realize that, hold on. Who's got parking lot Jesus? Who, who has parking lot Jesus that God always provides you the parking space that you need at just the right moment? You know, I have figured out if you drive around the parking lot for 30 minutes, you're probably going to get that parking space. <laughs> Because I don't think God cares where we park. <laughs> now, I could be wrong about that. I know that I just hate mail. I, I get it. But God wants to do more than provide you with a parking spot. He wants to transform your life into a presence of the glory of God that transforms the lives of the people around us. More than we ask or imagine. According to his power, the Holy Spirit that's at work within us. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith, your faith is growing what? More and more, your faith. Listen, 
the easiest thing God did, the easiest thing that God did is secure our salvation. And it wasn't easy for Jesus what he did, but it was the easiest thing. The most difficult thing is to mature us along the journey. It's not the destination. The, the, the destination is secured. It's what happens along the journey. It's what happens as we live each day when you wake up, the thoughts you have before you leave the bed, once your feet hit the floor, once you head out, once you come home, all that stuff every day, that's the thing. That's where the faith of our lives and what, what the growing happens. The growing says that we're willing participants, and the willing is kind of a key word in what God's trying to do in us and through us because he's always made his plea through people. I mean, he could do it without us. Matter of fact, he tells us the rocks. And, and, the, and I don't know if you've ever gone up in the mountains away from the city lights and just laid on your back on the top of a mountain where it looks like you can put, you know, reach up and grab you a pocket full of stars. And you reminded how small we really are. And, and you know, sitting in a recliner with your body totally broken and you can't move, you're reminded how small you really are. And how dependent we are, but praise God, I had a, a wife who loved me enough that she willingly helped me because she could have said, you know, you were a total jerk to me three days ago. And she, she had every right to. But her choice was is that she was in pursuit of the glory of God, and the glory of God led her to love me in a way that I couldn't respond to other than gratitude. Um. Think think about this. Some of my favorite quotes. Robert Kennedy, there are those who look at things the way they are and ask why. There are those who look at things the way they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. And ask why not. We, We could spend all our time complaining about the way things are, but what do we look at and go, man, What if God, what if God, what if God? Eleanor Roosevelt said, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. You know, God didn't give you those dreams so that you just waste them. He he did it to expand the horizons of what your life can be. Mike Tyson. Yeah, that Mike Tyson. I'm a dreamer. I have to dream and reach for the stars. And if I miss a star, then I grab a handful of clouds. There's some profound, profound thoughts behind that. In other words, even if I can't get to what I really, 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 really want, I'm going to grab as close as I can to it, and I'm going to know that God is going to do something with that. Steve Jobs, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them, but the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. Martin Luther King. 
I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Jonah Salk, I have had dreams and I've had nightmares. I overcame the nightmares because of my dreams. You know, God hasn't stopped giving us vision and dreams. We may be ignoring them. We, we may not know what to do with them. We may be so limited by the hurt or the pain in our current existence that we've stopped seeing or looking or thinking or hoping beyond. I mean, hope is a big word. Hope isn't a word that means, well, maybe, just maybe. Hope literally means to earnestly expect. To earnestly expect. And when we see life bigger, when we dream more about what God can do and not put the limit, not have a a thought of scarcity, I mean, why would God who died to set us free, why would he limit us? Why would he nitpick us? Why would he punish us now? Now, does he discipline us? Yeah, but if you're a good parent, you discipline your kid too. Do you not? Now, we could debate what discipline means. There's Southern discipline, and then there's West Coast discipline. (laughs) And they are vastly different things. I'm not saying which one's better because I was a recipient of the Southern discipline. But you think about where your life is, and if you're stuck, are you stuck because your eyes are down? You know, you don't drive forward by looking through the rearview mirror. That's the reason that windshield is so big. Now, there are people that drive by looking at the front hood of the car. They call those accidents waiting to happen. There are those that look out the side windows. They call those accidents waiting to happen. There are those who turn around while they're driving. Those are accidents that are waiting to happen. And then there are those that see not only what's right in front of them, but what's coming because they have the vision to look up. And that's a far different way to live. It's a far different way to live. And life sometimes beats our head down and all we can see is it's right here. And sometimes we, we let dreams die because we think, well, it'll never happen. Well, why won't it happen? You don't know. You don't know what, what God may be up to. You don't know what God may be up to. Maybe you've given up before you've ever got, it, got started. I mean, think of the things that we have because people would not give up. We can fly. Not like flap your arms fly, but you know. And get airplane because somebody wouldn't give up. We have lights. One of the greatest amounts of failures, and yet he kept going. The, the, the imagination isn't limited by the brain. The imagination is limited by the person living with the brain according to what we see as barriers. 
according to limits we put, according to the dreams that we give up on. So it's kind of why we do this, because, you know, like Michelle said about children's ministry, you know, some people say, well, you're just, you're just babysitting kids. No, we're, we're trying to make sure that they know who Jesus is. I mean, we could hire a bunch of babysitters. But we want real people with real hearts and real bodies to invest themselves in the lives of kids so that they know that there's somebody that loves them enough to give them an hour of their time to say, hey, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. That's the way with youth ministry, junior high, high school, whatever. It's the reason we do. We want people to know Jesus because I can't do anything for you. I'm li- I am limited. There's a God of the universe that's unlimited. And, you know, our heart from day one, March 1, 2011, day one, is to be relationally connected to people in this community. It's the reason we do a lot of the stuff we do. We help people help people. And that's our goal. That's our vision. That's our dream, that the church doesn't wait on people to come in. The church goes out and just loves people. And we, we have a saying where we give ourselves away for the sake of others. We give ourselves away for the sake of others. We give ourselves away for the sake of others. The crazy thing about it is in the middle of all that, we get the blessing. Because when you watch a life be changed, somebody that's been rejected by everybody in their family and everybody else in their community, when they find a place they can belong and they're loved on, no matter how odd their life may be, no matter how acceptable their life may or may not be, when people love people, things change. And so the beauty of it is, is that God's grace is sufficient to transform us. God's love is sufficient to hold us that God is sufficient to move in our life, but we have to allow and to see and dream beyond what's right here. So we're about to take communion. And it's a chance for you to take the body and the blood. It's a chance for you to take the the cup and the bread and be reminded that God has done everything already for us. We just get to live within it. But let's see beyond just ourselves in today. Let's see where God may be trying to point us to go love on somebody that we don't even like, that we don't even like, and how that would transform their life and transform our life. Because God's constantly trying to grow us. Once again, it's not about the destination. The destination's secure. It's about the journey. It's about how you're going to grow, how you're going to mature, how you're going to be transformed. So let's pray. And then we'll come back and worship after communion. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the hope we have in you. Thank you that you never give up on us. Lord, would you give us the capacity, Lord, to dream bigger dreams, to not limit ourselves. Lord, as we come back next week and we jump back into the gospel of John, Lord, would you would you work on us incrementally this week, God, to just keep growing us and maturing us and help us to see bigger, see us bigger, see what you're doing follow in in line, and trust what you're doing, even when it's not the way we think it ought to be, because you're good. You're so good. In the name of Jesus, Lord.